At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition. Hornets tipping off a back-to-back homestand. They'll take on the Philadelphia 76ers tomorrow, Saturday at the Hive. Tonight, it's the New Orleans Pelicans in town. We'll have a game preview for that one. And by the way, tickets for both games are available right now on Hornets.com. We'll also talk about the timeline that the Hornets are operating on for this season and glow a little bit more about the Hornets' glorious rookie, Brandon Miller. Helping me on all of these topics, he's back for a two Sam's edition of the H. Sam Perley of Hornets.com here with us today. Senior writer, I should say, for Hornets.com. Sam Perley, great to see you as always. Thank you for having me. Two days in a row. The ratings after the uh, the podcast from yesterday must have been really good that you guys needed to bring me back for, for two straight days. It's kind of a rarity. We would have you every day, but your wife would have our heads. So, you know, we do what we can. We take what we can. It's great to see you and looking forward to talking some Hornets hoops with you. A couple of big topics here around Charlotte. Obviously, the team's struggling right now, working through Injuries seven and fifteen, not where they wanted to be, not where they expected to be, but they certainly didn't expect this level of attrition in terms of the roster. But maybe the brightest spot of all all season long has been the play of rookie Brandon Miller, the number two overall pick. You just got done doing a big piece on him, which you talked about on yesterday's podcast. Certainly encourage you to go back to the archives and check that one out. I know you hate doing these types of segments, but I wanted to bring up the rookie ladder and I wanted to do it for a specific reason that was brought up in the most recent NBA.com rookie ladder. Uh, But first off, Amongst the rookie class, based off what you've seen, obviously we watch Brandon Miller more than anyone else. Where would you rank Brandon right now in terms of an NBA rookie ladder, factoring in that Chet Holmgren is a part of this rookie class, even though he wasn't part of the draft class? 
I would say right now, if you look at, and I'll be completely transparent, as I haven't watched outside of when these other rookies are playing the Hornets, I haven't gone out of my way to watch a ton of them right now. It's it's mainly just Hornets, and you know, every now and then I'll, I'll national televised game with a star rookie on, and I'll take a look. But you have to say it's three, maybe top three, four at the, you know four at the uh at the most i think it's you know we can have the debate do you consider chet holmgren a rookie necessarily me personally and i'm not saying this just because brandon miller is involved in this conversation i think once you sign your nba contract that's your first season regardless if you miss your first year because of injury there was this big debate a few years ago with ben simmons and donovan mitchell is ben simmons missed his rookie year and then was eligible for rookie of the year the year after that's just me personally i understand the way it works but um right now i think it's it's if i had to pick Four, kind of right off the top of my head, it's it's Victor Wimbanyama, it's Chet, it's Brandon Miller, and Derek Lively in Dallas, who I watched the other night um, when they played the Lakers game. I think it was on TNT, and yeah, he, he looks really, really good, really good for Dallas. So I would kind of put those guys, but in terms of the position that Brandon plays, I mean, he's clearly, it's him and then a big gap between kind of the next best rookie wing. I personally think it's Brandon Miller at three, and I think it's pretty clear, even with back-to-back losses to Miami. And Jaime Hawk is, quite frankly, playing pretty darn well in both of those games. I think Brandon Miller's stat lines are right there with him. I think his impact on the game is felt even more, given the way the rosters are, are performing right now. And I just think even though Charlotte fell short in two games against the team Jaime Hawkins plays for, Brandon Miller still stood out. Even the last game, he, he didn't play very well and still managed to put up a really big stat line at the end catching fire there in the fourth quarter I should say didn't shoot very well early in that contest but came around to put forth a really strong effort so I I think Brandon Miller is the clear number three and I think there's something to be said for the fact that other than the guys that are physically kind of the outliers for the NBA I mean there's not a lot of people built on earth like Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren let alone in the National Basketball Association so you know their physical gifts and abilities give them certain advantages plus their roles on their teams give them certain advantages Brandon Miller uh, while he's still a, a physical you know phenomenon compared to the er- everyday human being you know he's more the norm for the NBA and yet his game is so good that it's standing out but getting a little bit off track here the reason I brought this up I think we're in agreement here I'd say he's clearly top three you say he's clearly top four the NBA's most recent rookie ladder has him in at a solid number three the reason I brought this up was part of the storyline for this latest rookie ladder was will Victor Wembanyama have a shot at the award because the Spurs quite frankly are so bad Uh, San Antonio has had a dreadful start to the season some of us are not necessarily that shocked that uh, they're they're not performing very well but I would guess they'd have more than three wins at this stage of the season and the article kind of looked through the history at who's won the award and usually have to win at least 20 games to get there I mean your team can't be the absolute cellar dwellers and still win the award almost no matter how good you are according to the article fewest victories for a rookie of the year winner's team since 1993 was 16 that was Andrew Wiggins in the 14-15 season for the Timberwolves and there have been three others that finished below 20 wins but for the most part the team's They're not necessarily good, but they're not terrible. And so my question is, does that open a door here 
for Brandon Miller, who statistically is climbing. He's not quite near where Chet Holmgren is, but he's within a a shot a game. He's within about three points of him. Rebounds, obviously, there's a huge advantage for Chet Holmgren. But I I can see a world, as Brandon Miller's game continues to grow and maybe his role continues to expand, that his numbers eventually match up with a Chet Holmgren. And if Victor Wembenyama's team doesn't start to put together some wins and finishes something, let's just throw something crazy out there. Let's say they're 10 and 72. Does that open up the door now for Brandon Miller to maybe win rookie of the year if Charlotte itself can get things closer to 500 and hopefully into the playoffs? Absolutely. And uh, I will backtrack just a little bit. Apologies to Jaime Jaquez. I, I, I would say if I was picking an all-rookie first team right now in some order, and I don't know exactly how they divvied up now with his front court, back court, I would put the four I said plus Jaquez. He's been really, really good. A little bit older, a little bit more of a, you know, not finished product, but, you know, he played three or four years at UCLA. He's in a fantastic situation. Uh, it was the perfect fit. People knew it at the draft. We've seen it three times already this year. I mean, it couldn't have been a better fit for him. I mean, and he's not being asked to do as much as some of these other rookies right now. So, But he's been really, really good, and we've seen it, unfortunately, up close a few times this past month. But back to your question, yeah, I, I think it's certainly possible. I think it's rookie development in where it's a fascinating process because so much of it is situation. It's environment. It's how, you know, this is a big adjustment going from college to the NBA or for some of these guys going from overseas teams to the NBA or Chet Holmgren even going from not playing for an entire season to playing. So, so much of it is environment, it's situation, it's what you're being asked to do, how your skill set is being utilized by the coaching staff, who you're playing with. You know, you have teams that, like the Hornets last year, I think from a talent level, and if you hadn't had all the injuries and absences, they are probably not a roster that is reflective of having the second overall pick. So Brandon Miller's coming into a situation where he's going to be playing with better players than somebody that went to Houston at the time or Detroit or um, San Antonio. So I do think you have to factor in, you know, when you start to kind of get down to the nitty gritty and there's so many good rookies. Yes. Are they playing in winning environments? Are they contributing to winning? Do they make impactful plays in games. And we've seen Brandon Miller do that. We saw that in the Toronto game, hitting big shots, hit the big three there uh, with two minutes to go um, last last Friday night. So I think that was kind of the tiebreaker too with when LaMelo won Rookie of the Year because him and, and when Anthony Edwards were kind of neck and neck maybe the second half of the season. And if you go back and so many of Anthony Edwards has obviously had a really, really you know, taken off the last couple of years, but the first half of his season, I mean, he was putting up such big numbers in games they were losing by 20 or 30 points, whereas LaMelo's, I think the Hornets finished 33 and 39, was contributing more often to games in winning. So I think you do have to factor it in, but I also think you have to recognize that there are rookies coming into situations that just because they're not elevating a 20-win team from last year by 15 or 20 wins, I don't think that should necessarily be an indictment of their performance but I do think you can only pick one yes winning should matter and how you impact winning and contribute to and how you play in fourth quarter and crunch time I think should absolutely matter and factor in yeah I thought the the 
the framing of the question from the article was really – it was not based around, well, let's find a way to give this to Brandon Miller because, uh, quite frankly, there's not a lot of, of rookie ladders or rookie rankings that are trying to give things to people that are not Victor Wembanyama right now. But it was more like, is there something that could eliminate him from contention if someone else is close? And I think that is the big key here. Right now, Wembanyama is averaging about five points per game more than Brandon Miller is. If that gap closed to two and the Spurs stayed in the basement of the NBA or around it and the Hornets elevated to a roughly 500 team, I think there is an avenue where Brandon Miller and his candidacy for Rookie of the Year becomes that much stronger. Because right now, I mean, just on the face of it, he's shooting better than any rookie out there from three in terms of makes per game, in terms of shooting percentage, his scoring output. Everything looks really, really good for him. And I think it's only going to get better as the team gets healthier around him and hopefully starts climbing in the standings. Which brings us to our next topic. Where are the Hornets on a potential turnaround timeline obviously 22 games into the season 7 and 15 not where they want to be but they're not as far out of playoff contention as maybe you might think despite that record so we'll talk about that next with Sam Purley of hornets.com after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bed 365 21 plus only must be present in ohio if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Sam Farber and Sam Purley, a two-Sams edition of the HHC, the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Before we get to our next topic, Sam wanted to talk about a special event that took place at Spectrum Center yesterday. The Hornets in Pineville-based Mills Automotive Group hosting the inaugural Hornets Hoopin' Holidays, presented by Mills Automotive, uh, in collaboration with the Central Carolina's chapter of A Kid Again, a nonprofit that offers free local activities for families who have a child facing a life-threatening condition and local business studio. More than two dozen kids got into the holiday spirit painting custom sneakers alongside Hornets star Gordon Hayward, Nick Richards, JT Thor, Mark Williams, they were all there. Hornets Hoop and Holidays, a key component of a new multi-year partnership between the Hornets and Mills Automotive, and will be held annually as part of the franchise's season of giving initiative. Sam, I know things are, are a little rough right now with all the injuries, and on the court there's certainly some frustrations, and that's felt by Hornets fans. 
But one thing that I, I just don't think is in doubt in any way, shape, or form, and this goes back to the previous ownership group led by Michael Jordan, who's obviously still a major piece here to the Hornets' ownership structure, but now with the new co-chairman, Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall coming in, the focus on giving back this time of year and all around the year, I just think it, it can't be applauded enough. There, there are so many things that is attached to an ownership group on whether they're successful or not, and this is one that is not looked at nearly enough. And I'm not just tooting our own horn here because, you know, we're putting out the press release. But, I mean, we see it week after week, day after day. We're in all these meetings where it's, you know, like we, we've got to send people out to cover all these events because the players are all over the city, all over the community, trying to give back as much as they can. And that's something I think we should applaud. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I think the season of giving, you can probably start it with, with Cornucopia last month for Thanksgiving, and then it rolls right through the holiday season. And, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of this organization and not just giving back during the holidays, but giving back to military, giving back to education, giving back to all these important pillars. And uh, I think something that's really cool that maybe sometimes doesn't get enough shine is that a lot of the players, you know, a lot of their holiday activations, they're taking them on themselves. It's, you know, guys that want to donate gifts to something and they, and they set it up themselves. And, and it's sort of separate from the team. It'll be covered, you know, by the organization because we want to highlight these guys and the good they're doing. But a lot of these initiatives are kind of done independently by the players and that's not necessarily just this year it's happened in years past um terry rogier gordon hayward um bryce mcgowan's done some of the reject pj washington did something over thanksgiving uh so i think that's really cool that the players they're showing initiative to do it it's not just okay what holiday event do i have to be at you know and and do the you know, kind of team obligated thing is they're kind of doing that and then going out of their way to set up their own things and what causes are important to them. And again, it's not just Christmas. This is a year round thing. So I think it's really cool that our players kind of go out of their way to go above and beyond in the holiday season. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. And I think it's something that deserves a lot of shine. And it's something that I think has become a a part of this organization that they've developed year after year after year, like you said, going back to to previous ownership too. So like you said, it's you know it's tough right now on the basketball court, but there's so much good happening off the court right now as we head into the holiday season in a couple of weeks. So another cap tip again, uh, Hornets and Mills Automotive Group uh, tipped off yesterday a partnership with Hornets Hoopin' Holidays, presented by Mills Automotive. And certainly there's a lot more information about the event available right now on all of the Hornets' social media channels. Wanted to talk next about the Hornets' turnaround timeline. Clearly, 7-15 and 15 was not the record we were expecting at this time of year. The level of injuries was nowhere near what we were expecting or, or certainly uh, hoping for. Hornets were hoping for a much healthier run this year. To this point, we have seen a grand total, I think, of 15 minutes of total combined availability for LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and Miles Bridges. Not having your big three play together for any sustainable stretch makes it very difficult to win. Um, but Charlotte right now at 7-15, and 15, even though that's nowhere near the record they wanted, Sam Perley, they are nowhere near out of this thing just yet. They are a grand total of two games out of a play-in tournament spot. And really, they're only about six games out of an automatic berth into the playoffs, a top six position, and with 60 games left, that is definitely within their own control. I mean, you, you know, usually you say you're controlling your own destiny, you're looking at 15 games left and what do you have to do, you know, magic numbers and that. When you're this much runway, you can make up a six-game gap in 60 games if you're playing the right way and if you have the right run of health. So I'm not ruling that out, but in terms of the the 
turnaround timeline here, there's one example that I thought was very fitting for the Charlotte Hornets, and it's the Hornets' next opponents, the New Orleans Pelicans. If you rewind the clock back to the 21-22 season, it was a season of some frustration for New Orleans because Zion Williamson missed the entire campaign, but they were able to kind of start this turnaround for the franchise by going from an abysmal start. They lost, I think, 12 of their first 13 games started the year. They were at this stage of the season, 22 games in, 5-17, and 17, so a worse record than the Hornets hold right now. And they were able to get things righted, and by the end of the season held a 36-46 and 46 record, which is not great, but it was good enough to sneak into the play-in tournament where they won back-to-back games, beat the Spurs, beat the Clippers, and ended up in a playoff series. And I think that kind of sparked things, quite frankly, for the Pelicans to start putting together the seasons they have recently. They got above 500 last season with a record of 42 and 40, ended up missing the playoffs, but at least they were in the play in tournament picture. And this year they've started significantly above 500 again. So I wanted to look back at that 21 22 season, show that, hey, there's a Pelicans team that was worse at this stage of the season than the Hornets are record wise right now, and see if you see any similarities there or any maybe paths that the Hornets could follow that would likewise lead Charlotte to the postseason. When you brought up that sort of turnaround, the most vivid team memory I can think of a team doing that, and I just looked it up uh, just so I could reference it, and I, I don't know exactly if it was the same thing in terms of like veteran talent and youth talent, but the Miami Heat started 11-30 and in the 2016-17 season, they were 11 and 30 at the halfway point. Then went 30 and 11 after that. Finished 41 and 41, and I think they missed the playoffs by one game. And it came down to literally the final game. They either won or needed something else to happen. This is pre-play in too, so you know I'm sure they thought they were everything was over. They're 20 games under 500 mid-January, so it certainly is possible. And I think. We both admit that, yes, the injuries have have played a factor so far, and I think the injuries and what they mean for the rotation, you're just not getting continuity. The playing groups are different every single night. You've had games where guys have had to leave midway through the game, and that kind of you know scrambles everything up a little bit. You, you haven't been able to form the identity that you want to form because the lineups are different you know, every two or three games, and when you don't have an established way to play night in and night out, you have an idea of how you want to play, but you a lot of it is dictated on personnel and things like that, then it's just hard to get consistency going. So you hope for good injuries, you hope for good luck. And and to talk about that Pelicans team um, a few years ago, you said that was... That was two. That was the year that Zion missed the entire thing with the, the foot injury. They also traded for C.J. McCollum near the trade deadline of that year, and that, that was part of the spark for them. Yeah, and that one too was like they kind of... I remember they got Larry Nance too. They got hot. They got on a roll at the end of the season, and that's what the good teams do is they they get on a roll they find a rhythm at the end of the season that's what happened to the Hornets when they last made the playoffs in 2016 they won 10 of 13 in in March Um, another recent example 2021 Atlanta Hawks I think were I haven't looked up here they were 14 and 20 after 34 games this was the 72 game season they rolled off eight straight wins and then just kind of got the ball rolling and they got into the playoffs and and made the Eastern Conference Finals. So it can happen. It absolutely can happen. I think they still, injuries aside, because injuries are going to happen, they do need to play better at times with what they have. The defense has to get better. We saw the other night with Miami, the turnovers have to be better. Um, You can't rely necessarily on 
uh, just wait till we get our guys back because then we'll we'll be in good shape because you just never know what can happen. You could be you know two three weeks down the line and the guys aren't coming back. We hope that's not the case, but. I think it's entirely possible, but again, you just need luck. That's sometimes what it is. You need good luck. You need continuity. And I personally think every team in Eastern Conference is going to go through an injury stretch at some point. I think we, you know, the Hornets have had a number of games this year where you're facing the other team and nobody is hurt or they're missing one guy on the end of the bench. So everybody's going to go through it at some point. And, you know, maybe the Hornets, as they start to get healthy, will start catching some teams that are missing some guys and they can kind of capitalize on those absences. So I, I guess I didn't even really answer your question, but do I see similarities between this and the Pelicans team? Yeah, I do. I, I think there's talent. I think it's about trying to kind of make it fit with what you have. And that was a little bit of an extreme example because I think they knew Zion was going to be gone the whole year. There wasn't this idea of like, what are we going to be like when Zion gets back? I think they kind of knew he they could kind of move forward that year without him completely. But yeah, it's I think that's a good example of at some point it might be too late to turn it on. But in mid-December when you've seen the flashes and you can look at some of the absences as being, you know, a reason for. Uh, the record right now, I think it's entirely possible to get this thing turned around. Yeah, if anything, that that's an argument in the Hornets' favor because LaMelo Ball is expected back at some point. We don't have a definitive timeline as of the recording of this podcast when exactly that will be, but it is expected at some point in the not-too-distant future. And then there's a sizable amount of the season. And again, Charlotte, as of the recording of this podcast, is a whopping two games out of a play-in tournament spot. So uh, there, there's not a whole lot of ground to make up just to cross that threshold. And then the gap between themselves and the top six, it's six games right now. So you, with 60 games left to play, that is certainly something that can be done, particularly if the Hornets end up being the ones with some injury luck on their side. They're the healthy ones, and some other teams start to have some attrition on their rosters. Not that we're rooting for injuries for anyone, but we are rooting for better health here for the Hornets. Charlotte's matchup tonight is with the New Orleans Pelicans, not the 21-22 edition, but this new edition, which is actually playing above 500 basketball right now as well. They're 14 and 11. We will get into our game preview with Sam Perley of Hornets.com after this quick break here on the Hornets Ivecast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home. 
Sam Farber, Sam Purley here with you on the HHC. Hornets versus Pelicans tonight. Charlotte has dropped two in a row. The Hornets, uh, again, hit by the injury bug last game. P.J. Washington had to leave due to a shoulder injury. We do not have an update as of the recording of this podcast on him. Also, Mark Williams has missed now three of the last four games. We don't have a definitive update on him either, so we'll leave them out for the purposes of this game preview. Uh, Hornets have lost now six of their last eight games, but definitely they've been fighting hard and have been in a lot of these contests. On the other side, Pelicans starting to play a little bit better. They've won two in a row and are now currently uh, in... Ninth place in the Western Conference, but there's a real logjam there. They're kind of two games out of a top three position. Uh, they're also within three games of falling out of the play-in tournament picture entirely. So things a little more locked up in the Western Conference. Sam Perley, it's game preview time. We need players to watch for both teams as well as a stat to watch. What are you looking at for tonight's contest against the Pelicans? I'm going to go with my normal order, uh, player to watch. And again, like we don't know at the time of this recording what PJ and Mark are at. We do know Nick Richards is going to play, so um, he's going to be my guy to watch. I think he's done well. I mentioned on the podcast yesterday, you know, the, the concussion issue is, is something that's not very common in the NBA, and kind of coming back from it is it's a slower process, and it's a much, much different than, you know, a, a strain or an ankle sprain or something like that. But I think he's kind of refound his footing a little bit. You know, in his last four games, um, he's played five in a row. Last four games, 8.3 points, 55% shooting, 8.8 rebounds, 3 point. Uh, or three and a half offensive, averaging almost two blocks, playing 30 minutes a game. He had a career-high 40 minutes the other night in Miami. Uh, and the one thing I really like about Nick right now, and uh, it's really coming in handy with you know, the lack of front court depth at the moment is the fouling has been really down. Last four games, he's only averaging 1.8 fouls. Um, in the first 11 games of the season before he had the concussion, he was averaging 2.9 fouls per game. So it, it's something that I think he was conscious of coming into the season. It was a little bumpy to start the year, but he's really kind of reined it in, especially some some of the stuff on the offensive end. So they need him to be uh, out there for sure because they you know don't know who they're going to have available from a front court depth perspective. But Nick Richards is going to be my my player to watch um, against the Pelicans tonight. I like the pick. I'm going to go with Miles Bridges for this one. Miles has had a, a really strong start to his season. He's averaging just a hair under 20 points per game. He's made a three in every game that he's played in. Took him a while to get there last time out against the Heat, but he did eventually get across the finish line, knocking down a three in the fourth quarter. I think the big stat for me to watch for him, as much as I feel like the Hornets really need his scoring punch in production, it's rebounding. That, that's somewhere where particularly with some of this attrition at the big position, center and power forward, you need more guys crashing the glass and just vacuuming up more rebounds. And Miles Bridges, with his athleticism, his drive, he's got the ability to do that. And it's not an enormous amount above 500, but when Miles Bridges gets 10 or more rebounds, Charlotte is above 500. They're two and one. When they he gets eight or more rebounds, they're above 500. They're three and two. So it's not a huge sample size, but that's an area where I think Miles Bridges really can have more of an impact on the game. His rebounding totals are roughly where they were two years ago. But for Charlotte to have a good chance against New Orleans, who does have some bigger pieces on their roster, I think he needs to really turn it up a notch on the rebounding side. So Miles Bridges, my player to watch here for the Hornets. 
Where would you like to go next, Sam? Yeah, I'm going to be looking at Jonas Valanciunas on, as my player to watch for the New Orleans Pelicans, averaging 14 points right now, shooting 58% from the field, almost 9.5 rebounds, 2.4 assists, and 1.3 blocks, which is his highest. The blocks is his highest since leaving Toronto several years ago. He's a super, super strong, super physical player, uh, veteran guy. He's added the three-point game the last couple years. He's shooting 37% from three-point range um, on 1.8 attempts per game, which I think is might be a career high um, for on that many attempts. So he really, really hurt the Hornets last year. I think two of his highest of the, his five highest single game rebounding performances last year, two of them came against the Hornets. One in the home opener, I think he had 19, and then he had 17 in when they went to New Orleans. So the Hornets went down to New Orleans in, uh, I think it was in late March or vice versa. So they've got to keep him off the glass because he's already a challenge enough offensively with his floor spacing capability that he's been able to incorporate into his game in the in the later stages of his career. But if he's going to generate extra opportunities and get putbacks and and things like that and kickouts. It's going to be a long night for the Hornets. So to kind of, I guess, follow up on your on your rebounding is they have to keep him off the glass. You can't be generating second chance opportunities. The other thing too is his usage is a little down this year, but that's because they've got CJ McCollum, they've got Brandon Ingram, they've got Zion all healthy for the most part this season right now. So he's not being asked to do a ton offensively. It's really just right now he's crashing the glass, generating extra opportunities, put back second chance points, uh, spacing the floor when they need to. I mean, he's a really, really tough player to play against, and uh, the Hornets saw that firsthand last year. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. I had Jonas Valanciunas circled on my scorecard as well, but it's interesting because even though I have memories or maybe nightmares of Valanciunas just having these enormous rebounding games and the Pelicans being so big and dominant head-to-head with the Hornets, you look at the numbers, they're not a great rebounding team. They're in the bottom half of the NBA in rebounding percentage. They're in the bottom third in offensive rebounding percentage. Hornets, quite frankly, have a better offensive rebounding rate. That's percentage of possible rebounds on the offensive side that they're getting. So it's not total volume. It's if you miss 10 shots, how many of those are you bringing back? Charlotte does better in that stat category than do the Pelicans. Despite saying all that, if Valanchunas is a monster on the boards, New Orleans gets very, very difficult to beat. When he has 12 or more rebounds, they are 6-1 and one this season, including their last game against the Wizards where he had a season-high 18 boards. So I agree with you, Valanchunas is definitely a player to watch. I'll go in a different direction. I'm going to say Brandon Ingram. He's been playing very, very good basketball. He's had 20 or more in four of his last five games, 30 or more in two of his last four, including a season-best 40-point performance the other day against Washington. This is the guy that I look at and say, if Brandon Miller becomes this, Charlotte's going to be really, really good for a long time. Ingram hasn't necessarily elevated to superstar status. He's made it to all-star before. His numbers are consistently extremely strong. I mean, you look over his last handful of seasons here, and you just see 23-plus points per game each and every year for five straight years really good shooting percentage from the floor. He's not even a particularly great three-point shooter. Brandon Miller's the better three-point shooter between the two, but his ability to score, if Brandon Miller looks more and more like Brandon Ingram in terms of the mid-range game and ability to get to the bucket, Miller could be an absolute monster. But right now, Ingram is the developed guy. He's the 26-year-old who's you know eight years into his career, and Brandon Miller's the rookie, so that's where the biggest difference lies. Um, but Ingram 
is at the peak of his powers in terms of scoring. Coming off that season high, he's going to be my player to watch here for the Pelicans. Last but not least, we need a stat to watch. Yeah, and real quick to follow up on your rebounding point there, I thought that was a little surprising given you know the memories of Jonas Valanciunas last year that New Orleans would be this really, really good rebounding team all around. And uh, after him on their front court depth chart, it, it drops off a little bit. I mean, Zion's averaging about five and a half a game. I think they would probably hope that number was a little bit higher just given his size and physicality. But, you know, backing up Valanchunas right now is Cody Zeller, who is playing about 10 minutes a game or so. So similar situation to the Hornets right now in the sense of after that that first center, he goes to the bench, you, you forcing a little bit of a smaller lineup. So maybe that's kind of why their rebounding isn't nearly as good as kind of what Jonas Valanciunas represents individually too. So to my stat to watch is going to be kind of an easy one stemming from the other night. It's the turnovers. The Hornets had a season high 21 turnovers the other night in Miami. I mean, it's, it's just hard, especially when you're missing guys like LaMelo Ball, like Mark Williams, like PJ Washington, when you're, you know, not being able to hold on to the ball and even get shot attempts up because it's turning the ball over, let alone what Miami was able to do in transition. It's just going to be really tough for the offense to keep pace, and you saw that. It felt like every possession was a little bit of a grind out. So you have to cut. The 21 turnovers has to be at least halved. I mean, 11 10 at the max because uh, you don't have a ton of margin for error on the offensive side given the guys you're missing right now. So um, New Orleans comes into this game. Their opponents are averaging the 10th most turnovers per game in the NBA with 14.7. Just for reference, Miami was 7th. Miami's opponents are averaging the 7th most turnovers a year. So not exactly much of an easier opponent in that area than we saw in Miami. But yeah, the turnovers, just whatever it is, if it's carelessness, if it's, you know, being smart with help defenders coming. I mean, it just it can't be in the 21-22 area again. Agreed. That one seems clear and obvious, so just stop fouling, stop sending the other team to the line. If you clean up those two things, what's a, a more normal stat that I think will bear this one out? I think it's three-point shooting. New Orleans, as a team, it's not a great three-point shooting squad. Their, their biggest star that we know is going to be available right now, Brandon Ingram, he more lives in the mid-range and off drives to the bucket, does get to the line pretty efficiently, um, but not a great three-point shooter. And overall, they're not a spectacular three-point shooting team, nor do they take a ton of threes relative to the NBA. Hornets have been shooting the ball well from deep. Slower start the other day in Miami, but overall a really strong team from the perimeter. I think that's one where if Charlotte does not get crushed on the glass, does not foul at every opportunity, if they can keep those stats somewhat under normal circumstances, three-point shooting is where they can separate and show some advantages here over the Pelicans. It all tips off tonight, 7 p.m. at Spectrum Center. Tickets are available at Hornets.com. Sam Purley, thanks so much for joining us here on this game preview edition of the HHC. Of course. Thank you for having me. And thanks to Rob Longo, our producer, for putting this podcast together. Most of all, to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you tomorrow with a game recap from tonight's contest as well as a game preview tomorrow, Hornets versus 76ers. That's tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Terms and conditions apply. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.